You'll regret it when you're older. No, I won't. You will. You'll see. My name is Christine and I'm child-free by choice. Welcome to the Connected Communication Podcast. This week, I'm talking to you about choosing whether or not to have children. I wasn't going to share this. Well, I wasn't necessarily not going to share it. But I was in two minds about whether or not to share it. Which, of course, given what I said last week and talked about last week on the podcast, made me say, well, I'm going to have to. I'm going to give you a content warning now content warning are the words I have stolen from blind boy it's a much nicer way to say trigger warning I really like it so thanks blind boy I'm going to share a pretty tough experience I had later on in the episode and there'll be more bad language a little bit worse even than last week unbecoming of a lady my poor granddad's probably turning in his grave so I'm sort of sorry not sorry granddad (laughs) I never cursed in front of my granddad. Last week, if you've heard the podcast episode, I changed things up a bit. And what I've realised over the last week is that I've come full circle throughout the year, back to the start of the podcast. I lost my way a little bit there during the year. Not that I lost my way, I loved the interviews that I did. I loved the people that I met. I've had incredible lessons and learning and conversations from them. But when I look back on the episodes before and on the inspiration and the drive that I had for starting the podcast, it was because I love reading stuff that can sometimes be very random and different about space and science and the brain and human behaviour and language and culture and other things like that. And I love talking about it with respect to how it influences my life, my decisions, my behaviour, to experiences that I've had with the goal of helping other people think maybe, expanding thinking a little bit, sharing in ways that, I don't know, can shift thinking. And while I, I was doing the interviews, I was convinced, to be totally honest, that doing interviews was the better way to build a podcast, to develop a, a, li- a listenership to get people listening because other people would share it to their networks, etc, etc. And, and in truth, that's not proven true for my podcast. At the very beginning, when I was doing stuff on my own, people were contacting me a lot. They were enjoying the research that I did, the stories that I was telling, because I put work into it and time into it. And it was maybe a little bit different, I don't know, than what was coming out on other podcasts they were listening to. So I've come full circle. I had my little effing and blinding last week (laughs) and I'm back to doing what I love and in some ways do, well, maybe I shouldn't say do best, but it's what I love. I'm researching things that come up for me, things that I'm interested in and that have affected my life that are is are probably going to affect the lives of others or may already be affecting the lives of others. I'll still share interviews. I did a great one today with the forensic linguist and sociolinguist about culture, language and education. We only started to scratch the surface of the stuff that she does. 
I was going to talk about the science of simplicity this week. But as I was reading an article about being childless or child free the other day and the so-called advice in it, I got a bit frustrated because some of the advice that I was reading, some of the terminology and the words that I was reading, it just pissed me off, to be honest. But it resonated with my own story as well and my own life experience. So I thought I'd speak to you about that instead. Like I said at the beginning, I'm child free by choice. The stigma attached to choosing not to have children is still very prevalent today. The world has been convinced to believe that we all have a natural desire to have children. And as my wee conversation at the start of the podcast laid out, not doing so will lead to regret later in life. I cannot tell you how many times I've had somebody say those words to me. I will regret it. Uh, a recent study published in this year, actually, in April 2023, suggests that not everybody agrees with this sentiment. And it found, in fact, that one in five adults surveyed opt to go childless, the article says, childless. So let's look at the language and the history we bit before we get into the, some of the reasoning and, and how to make the decision. It's important to distinguish child-free individuals from other non-parents, researchers say. Not yet parents or non-parents they consider are childless, not yet, but they want children and can't for whatever reason, stress, economic situation, whatever. Undecided, it does exactly what it says in the tin, it's undecided and ambivalent. Those who are not planning, but unsure about whether or not they want them. Now, in my experience, it's presumed by the majority, certainly of people that I've met, that even the decided are actually ambivalent and will at some stage regret their decision. But people like me are called child-free, childless by choice, or voluntarily childless. So let's look at the suffixes here. The suffix less, an adjective suffix, which means without. So childless, peerless, given as examples when we look it up. But it also means when we change adjectives from verbs, an indication of failure or an inability to, to perform or be performed. And less and free have different meanings. Free as a suffix means without or not containing or not having. I don't like the idea of calling someone who desires nothing more than to conceive childless because it has a harmful connotation which could create feelings of sadness, self-judgment or shame for a couple or individual who hasn't yet conceived. I've experienced all aspects of this. Choosing to not have children, Choosing to have children, choosing to have children in different ways, challenges having children, very close to home. I don't have permission to share those stories, so I'm not going to. But I am going to ask and maybe I'll be able to do an episode or two or three or more on it. I don't consider myself childless. I've never had a desire to have children. I chose differently and suffered for it in a society conditioned to stigmatise and ridicule me. But we'll come back to that later. 
I have to use terminology to explain the points in this episode. So I'll do it as consciously as possible. To those of you listening who are not yet parents and trying with ease or any form of, of challenge or difficulty, I honour and respect your journey. In fact, actually, do you know, I might put a link to a fertility shaman I know of in Ireland whose work has had a most wonderfully positive impact on my life um, in the show notes. I'll get her permission first, of course. Well, let's think about this whole child freeness or childlessness. Is it a new thing connected to modern day feminism and women again finding their voices? Or has it been pretty typical throughout history? Well, no, it's not new. According to the Washington Post, citing different studies from a couple of universities, child freeness or childlessness has been around for centuries and it's connected more to the evolution of marriage than it is to new wave feminism, to contraception, to times of war, when Sure, all the men then were tripping around, killing all the children that had been created. And when we think of marriage, originally marriage was about procreation. Women were wed off, in many cases, as soon as they were, as the article says, capable of motherhood. A nice way to say, produce offspring. And rates in Europe and the American colonies colonies differed as attitudes changed. In Europe, uh, women started getting married late, getting married later, going back as far as the 1500s, nice and early there. They began to want more independent households. Traditionally, they got married and then they moved in with the in-laws. So instead of relying on living with in-laws from the outset of marriage, they spent time waiting, saving for dowries and other accoutrements for the house because they wanted to build their own home, their own homestead. In pre-revolutionary France, a research study cited by the BBC says that 15 to 22% of the adult population remained not only single, but probably child-free. And once marriage was postponed, life, culture, economics and biology all impacted fertility rates. Women wanted to focus on causes they cared for and fight for their equality without having to concern themselves with raising children. In the colonies, it was a bit different. Presidential decrees and cries from the Bible and other areas to multiply and fill the fields with child labour resulted in a rise in early marriage and birth rates. Sadly, for enslaved women, childbirth was cruelly forced through rape and severe punishment of the of the barren they use that word not a big one for hate but barren is a word that hit it's home for me and and hit home for me when i read that in the research while i was looking this up i'll come back to the reason why a little bit later but from what it seems rates rose and fell over the years thereafter for a, a number of reasons i'll talk a bit more about in a, a minute or two by the 1900s, rates of child freeness, childlessness peaked. One in five of American women born between 1885 and 1915 rejected marriage and motherhood. And this was similar across Europe, Canada and Australia. 
very interestingly, if you think about that time, 18, 1895, 1915, they didn't have the telephone and internet to be ringing each other up across nations or across countries and saying, come here, are you having children this week? Or are you going to get married and have children? As I say there, that about the telephone, I, won't, I, can't, I can't remember the year that Bell uh, came out with the telephone. Maybe they had the phones to call each other. Uh, but they, let me see, when was it? 1876, no, so it was only just coming. If you heard me tapping there. Uh, it was kind of in between that time, actually, that, that the telephone first came out. So they weren't yet able to ring each other and see if they were having children when they were getting married. In the first decade of the 20th century, things weren't actually very different. Again, that was similar to, to pre-revolutionary pre France. 17 to 25% of women born then remained childless. Though the research suggests that in this case it was maybe less by choice and more because war meant that essentially all the babies that had grown up to be men ready to water the seed of the next generation were killed. Emigration played a part, of course, and then later, after the Second World War, there was a baby boom. Everybody was overcoming the pains and the fears of the war, fearing another one, and the child, childbearing increased significantly. But then, by the 1970s, there was a return back to this realisation that a woman had a right to control her own body and seek independence and seek self-fulfilment. And as of 2017, a report from France shows that an average of 15% of Northern European women and even higher, 18% of Western European women may remain child free. And significantly, numbers are high in the south of Europe and likely to continue to rise. I could go down a rabbit hole of statistics here with social and cultural and economic reasons for the undulations in childlessness or child freeness over the years. But I'm not sure you'll find that as interesting as I do. So I'm going to just add a couple of points about why we don't necessarily want children or what has caused the reasons for people not having children. Maybe a bit of my tuppence worth on what I'm sure will be called feministic reasons. As I touched on, economic and social conditions, reliable contraception, delays in marriage, Increase, increases in, in family fragility, or in other words, more assertive women who took less shit, increased demand on employees, job market instability, and economic uncertainty all played a part. On top of this, lack of family-friendly work policies and facilities, and persistent gender inequality, in particularly the division of domestic work and childcare, are two of the key factors. I've heard some absurd reasons why organisations don't put childcare facilities on site. And as of, again, 2017, it's really interesting, actually. A lot of the research that I could find when I was looking this up comes from 2013. With obviously the most recent one being this year with, that I'll talk about later. Yesterday, though, I was watching a podcast interview with Kim Kiyosaki. And I'd, I'd actually planned to do this episode before I watched it. I'm glad I didn't because I, I ended up spending quite a lot more time researching it and putting the notes together. 
But obviously there was a reason why I didn't, because in the middle of the interview, she talked about, well, she was asked a question about women and, and children. And she and Robert Kiyosaki, her former husband, who are of the rich dad, poor dad fame, chose not to have children. And I heard the interviewer, who's someone that I, I follow and I've learned a lot from. You don't always have to agree with people uh, with what they say to learn from them. But he spouted a sentence of pure and absolute shite that perpetuates the male and female division of labour. Women have to raise the children. So of course, it's going to be harder for them to make their own money, were the words I heard said. And she chose not to take the bait. Um, and I can, I can kind of understand why. She, she mentioned the fact that she's had backlash before because she doesn't have children and people say, have said, well, why can you talk about children if, and money and finance and learning and teaching them about money and finance if you don't have kids? But she's done enough research and she's got enough friends who have kids to be able to form an opinion on it and from her own experience. But she didn't take the bait on this sentence. Women have to raise the children. Now, your man who said it is becoming a bit of an Andrew Tate lackey. So I can only presume his mind is being gently warped by the crap that that Tate fella spouts about women. Uh, but suffice it to say that that ideal women have to raise the children, that there's no responsibility on the man or little responsibility on the man. It's a pile of shit. It's an absolute pile of shit. I, I have a brother-in-law who, two brother-in-laws who are, are the total opposite of that ideal when it comes to raising their children and being there with their children and spending time with their children and, and sharing duties in the house, in life and, and in experience to support as a whole group, the development and growth of their family. So as I say, there are many reasons why people choose to remain childless or be child-free. That study that I mentioned that was published this year found that the decision not to have children is often made young, in the teens and in the twenties. And I was around 13 or so when I knew, but I initially made the decision for somewhat sad reasons. I was a bit of a tearaway child and in my teens quite angry, quite outspoken. Going through my life being turned upside down by adults who never thought I might like to have a say in what was happening or that what I said or what I had to say about things was valid. My initial decision not to have children was because I never wanted to have to deal with someone like me because I was so angry. And you're probably listening to that thinking, oh, that's heartbreaking. I know it is. It's a sad thing. But it's my past story. I'm just sharing it with you. Because if you're someone who's on this journey right now, it's some of those feelings you might be feeling. I, uh, I, I now have a very different view of myself. I got over that part and I like myself a lot more nowadays. Go, I'd even go so far as to say I love myself very much indeed and think the complete opposite of myself. Now, without going down a a big road of arrogance and cockiness. I can feel that inside me going, oh, that's hard to say out loud. But it's important to. I'm a nice person. I'm going to use a very harsh word here that's going to hurt your ears if you're not used to hearing bad language, but it's going to come a bit later on in a different way. So you might as well get the softness of the sea in your ear now 
I am a nice person. I can be a cunt, but sure we all can. Apparently, LGBTQIA individuals, white males and single adults are more likely to choose child freedom. I'm going to call it child freedom. And this is where some of the stigma for them and the control starts. Some people, the report found, are denied sterilization because medical professionals think they may eventually regret the decision. There's the fucking medical profession deciding that they know better than the individual. Not for the first time. It also found, and this is quite interesting, that not yet parents are more likely to treat parents with more warmth than those who choose not to have children. Now, a, a smile is coming on my face here. I can hear my mother, <laughs> if she's listening to this, I love you, mummy, say, because oh. it's probably a bit true. That's a terrible thing for me to be admitting. Don't unintentionally not treat parents with more warmth than my sisters do. I don't know, but anyway, that's, that, that made me smirk when I thought about that. I chose child-free. The article I read gave two tips. I'm not going to go reading off the whole thing. It's not my work. The link is in the show, you, show notes so you can read it. But I want to address aspects of it. It says, firstly, make a list of pros and cons. Grand. If that works for you, fine. But it goes on to give examples of said pros and cons. And one of the pros is personal growth. It asks, are you keen on experiencing personal growth related to developing patience, understanding and selflessness? That is pure and utter fear mongering. What? If I don't have children, I'll never learn to develop patience, will I not? If I don't want children, does that mean I'm not keen on developing those aspects of myself? And selflessness does not exist, even for parents. Every act has an act of selffulness in it. Yes, if you have children, you have to put their needs before your own and sacrifice. But that's not selfless. I'm sorry. You sacrifice because you feel good. It means that they grow and they develop in a way that makes you feel proud. There's a bit of selffulness in there as well. The article goes on to say, for best results, do this, the pros and cons list, when you're in a serious relationship with your partner, to arrive at a shared view. Ah, uh, no. Do it before you find a partner. And if that partner doesn't align with what you want when you meet, have better sense than I did and end things immediately. I suffered significantly with the person I was in a, for want of a better word, relationship with, who convinced himself that he'd flip my decision and would get insanely angry and abusive when I reiterated time and again that it was not going to happen. Why did I stay? You might be listening. You might be thinking as you listen to this and take it. And that's a whole other story for another podcast or maybe some other sort of session. There's a bit in the pros and cons about the unique, profound love and bond that comes with raising a child. I had the most incredible experience of that bond with my sister's baby when she was only a few months old. 
I will admit that it was a love and connection I'd never felt before. An incredibly healing one. One of the most beautiful experiences of my life. But it didn't change my feeling about wanting or not wanting children. And the next piece of advice is built is to build a rock solid support system. Because of the stigma that you'll face. And it's true. You will face stigma. Ridicule. Judgment. Commentary. And questions from people whom you've never met before that have no right to intrude on your life choices. When I was living in Poland, out at a birthday party one night, one of the guys asked me if I had children. I said no. And his response was, what's wrong with you? People presume you're not capable, you can't afford it, or generally that there's something wrong. They've been so conditioned by societal norms and beliefs, never questioning things for themselves, that they shift their personal biases onto us. The article says, it's crucial to surround yourself with a positive supportive network. Now I'll be honest, my decision was made much easier to hold firm to because I had an aunt who made the same decision 15 years before me. So she was always someone I looked up to and aspired to. But my parents I don't think really believed that I'd never have children. They never openly didn't support me. They, I'll, I'll give that to them. They always supported my choice. But I'd get a sense sometimes of underlying, let's call it, optimism at times. They've, they're a little bit lighter now because all the rest of them have kids, so they're well occupied. But not everyone is able to surround themselves with a supportive network. And the advice that an external support system is more important than an internal one is equally as damaging as the view that all women should have children or that there is something deficient, as Turkey's president said, about them. We may, as research has shown, have a natural propensity to choose an in-group based on similar interests and experiences, but that doesn't mean we can't have a sense of belonging in other groups. One of my best friends has children and I have never once felt a lack of belonging with her and her family. In source, the support system. As long as you support yourself in your decision and you feel confident and comfortable with it, having the external support system is an additional bolster. But when you're rocked by the judgment and ridicule that you will get, being able to fully support yourself on the inside is really important. I'm still hemming and hawing as we come to the end of the podcast about whether or not I'm going to share a poem that I wrote in 2021 that inspired my reasoning for going with this episode this week. I'll make the decision in a minute or two. I'm going to give you another one of those content warnings. The words I heard one night were, you're selfish. You're a vicious, barren cunt. Why did I choose not to have children? And how can I help you on your journey to decide? The famous line in train spotting comes to mind, choose life. I chose life. I chose freedom. Some may call it selfish. But to me, it's one of the most selfless things a person can do. I know I said earlier, and I do believe it, there's always an aspect of self 
fullness in decisions. But I'll explain. Initially, as I said earlier, I didn't want children because I didn't want to have to deal with an angry child like me. Now, of course, I know that that wouldn't necessarily have been the case because how a child behaves is reflected in the security and attachment they received in earlier life. Later, I stuck with my decision because I wanted to travel. I changed jobs, career, studies, as my inspiration called. I basically followed a spirit of inspiration through my life. Things only ever went wrong when I stopped trusting and listening to myself. Instead, allowing outside influences and deeply ingrained conditioning to lead me. But that was part of the journey I needed to travel. And as a result of it, I'm able to help so many more people today in the work that I do. And I'm turning more swiftly towards that work and finding my true purpose and inspiration since I released in the last few weeks, and particularly since I did that podcast episode last week. I don't believe everyone is meant to have children. In society, there are multiple roles. And this is where I, I think it is a selfless thing to do to decide not to have children. On the Camino, I met a, a 63-year-old woman, a female anthropologist, who shared her research on ancient Peruvian society. Now, I'm not sure if it was the Incas or the, I think it's pronounced Chimu. They had either eight or ten strata or levels in society. And everyone had a role, regardless of ability. So if people were unable to walk and could only pull themselves around by their arms, different things like that, they still had a role. Everybody had a function and a role. There are multiple roles in society. I don't believe that everyone is meant to have children. Choosing to not have children because I knew that I wanted to travel, because I knew that I wanted to have freedom to move, to not be fixed and stuck in one place, to change my job, change my career, change my decisions, meant that I didn't bring a child into the world because society determined that I should. I wasn't dictated to by societal belief. And if I had brought a child into the world because I was dictated to by societal belief, that child would have suffered. I would have resented it. I would have resented myself for having it. And that's selfish. For me. Any of you who are listening who have kids, I, 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 this doesn't come from a place of judgment. For anyone who made the decision to have children, whatever the reason was for you to have them, I'm only talking about my view and my experience. We've overpopulated the planet. We're displacing wildlife, pushing many animals to extinction and degrading ecosystems that are necessary for future generations to survive. And still, Kim Jong-un weeps into tissue, begging his women to produce more babies. I've put enough into this episode, so I won't go down the rabbit hole of roles of women and whether or not they were all meant to be mothers. But I have found the name of a researcher in Austria who's investigated how the conceptualization of motherhood changed over time, particularly exploring if, and I quote, all women were expected to be mothers, highlighting that women might have had different pathways in life. I can't find the results of the research. I can only find an article about the 
research being done. So I'm going to see if I can find it or get her on. For you, listener, whether you're single, gender, gender selected, gender neutral, or any of those other terms that I'm still extremely ignorant of, if you are one of the ambivalent, considering this decision right now uncertain, here are my thoughts from my experience and for what they're worth. Sit down somewhere quiet. Visualise yourself in whatever number of years time or at the age of maybe 47. Because I know women who've popped out twins at 44. Breathe into the moment. See yourself, feel yourself. Where are you? What are you doing with your life? Who's with you? Are there children there? Whatever the answer is to that question, are there children there, whether it's yes or no, or you're not sure, how does it feel? What happens to your face when you feel the answer? What happens inside your body? Feel it. Sit with the feeling. Repeat the exercise 20 or 30 years on, even going as far as being on your deathbed. How does it feel to have them there, to not have them there? Whatever the feeling settles within you as, that's how you decide. This is actually how I make all my big decisions. I sit with the feeling. I make the decision to do or to not do. And I see how I feel. If I feel sick when I make the decision, it's the wrong decision for me. And I'm pleased to be back to that. I stopped listening to that sick feeling for a long time and I let myself just stay feeling sick. Your brain will speak all the pros and cons that you have heard all your life. That you imagine hearing from parents, from friends, future lovers, colleagues, peers, strangers on a park bench. No matter the pros and cons list you make, no matter the network you build, you will deal with stigma. The only thing that truly matters is the feeling inside you. There's someone out there for you, whatever you decide. If you decide being with someone is what you want. The most important thing is that you make the decision for you, not for anybody else. Now, will I share this poem with you or not? Since I was a teenager, I've written my feelings in rhyme, let's call it. It's poetry-like, though. Poets wouldn't necessarily call it that. There's not any particular skill. And I never really learned how to construct poetry, technically. I learned how to recite it very well and speak it. Okay, I'm going to say it and then maybe uh, we'll see. I might cut it out. I'll make a decision later. So I'm going to close by reading you something I wrote in 2021. After I got that nasty comment I shared with you before. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to keep it in. I, I, like I, I said a few minutes ago, I've been hemming and hawing as to whether or not this is too much to reveal. I hear the trauma dump voices 
saying to me, don't put that out there. Don't be sharing that kind of thing with people. Don't be dumping trauma. I'm not intending to dump trauma. I'm, I'm making this decision from a very balanced mind and a very measured thought process. And you know what? You don't have to listen. You can stop the podcast now and go on about your day. But because somebody spoke about their stuff and wrote about their stuff and shared videos and posts online about their experience, I was able to make my decisions to save my life. So if one person hears this and it resonates and they leave or they call someone and start the process of leaving or send me a message for links to start researching and understanding what they're living in, then my sharing this is worth it. Like I said last week, I'm tired of rules. I've had a slurry tank of tough times that I've seen the other side of. And I am, once again, in full trust of myself to share what others did when I was suffering with the goal of helping them and the goal of helping you, should I say, as they did me. So this is called 14th of January 2021. I was clearly feeling a bit sarcastic and I called it fine day. He hurt me deeply. Yes, he did. Called me a barren cunt. Then added vicious later, just to give it a rub. Not sure I can get past it. I'm not sure I know how. I can feel how he feels towards me. When he looks at me like somehow, somehow I'm the cause of his problems because I don't want to give him a child. Though I've said from the start I don't want them. The repetitive noise drives me wild. I adore them when I can hand them back, once we've had our fill. And the parents can take over whilst I do what I will. So yes, he has deeply hurt me. Possibly beyond repair. But I'm here with him in Poland, so I have to act like I somehow don't care. I need to be loved and respected. And heeded and given time. Surprised, treated and heard. At least more than once in a while. So let's see how this all plays out. If we manage to find our way. If we don't, sure it'll have been an experience. And my heart will live to eventually see another beautiful day. I'm kind of glad I shared it now. It's amazing to be able to share that and not feel one ounce of connection to the story or the pain anymore. If you want to learn a little bit more about that story and what happened, you can watch my TEDx talk. The ripple effect of vulnerability. It shows you actually what happened to my body. You think of Gabba Mate, who talks about when the body says no, the body identifying the trauma and the emotional suppression inside of us that we don't listen to or we won't listen to and how it then gets shown on the body and that's what happened to me a couple of weeks after this happened clearly my suppression and my acting like somehow I didn't care imploded and then exploded as I said in the TEDx talk 
whatever you choose to have children, to not have children, to get married, to not have, get married, to stay or to go. It's, it's up to you. Nobody gets to decide whether it's the right or wrong decision for you. Nobody gets to decide when it's the right or wrong time for you to make the decision. Regardless of your age, the length of time you've been in the experience. And if you are someone who's left and recently left and you're questioning yourself or you're asking yourself why you stayed and maybe being negative or mean to yourself, you stayed for loving reasons. The only difference now is that you're loving yourself more than somebody else. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. If any of what I've said today has affected you, has resonated with you, please do not be alone. I'm going to put some links in the show notes so that you can seek help if you need it. You can find me on my social media, you can find me by email, you can send me a message as well. And other than that, thanks for listening. Please share it with somebody who you think will resonate. I may need to hear it. Until next time, Thanks for listening. Thank you.